This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Good morning. It is good to see everyone this morning. Happy Independence Day. And uh, I like to take advantage of every Independence Day uh, to say that, you know, independence, we celebrate that as it uh, refers to the history of our country and uh, our founding fathers and uh, those who over the uh, centuries now, right, uh, have made sacrifices to ensure our freedom and our liberty. And that's good. Um, But I have to tell you something. Uh, I'm grateful for our country, and I thank God uh, that I was born in the United States, and I benefit from all the freedoms and liberties that we have uh, as Americans. Um, But first and foremost, I'm a citizen of heaven, and I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And the scripture says, and I'm feeling like it more and more and more, that I'm a stranger, an alien in a foreign land. You need to know, as good as things are here, right? Uh, I live for something greater. And uh, I'm looking forward uh, to the day of Christ's return. I'm looking forward uh, to the redemption that draws near. Okay? And we are one day closer to that today than we were yesterday or the day before. Um, Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ is coming again. All right. Amen. So, yeah, you can clap for that. So while we celebrate uh, the birth of our nation... And we are a grateful people. We give thanks to God for the blessings that we enjoy. Uh, We, as followers of Jesus Christ, celebrate being born again. A rebirth. um, That we have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's glorious light. Okay? Our citizenship has been changed. And I'm grateful for that. And as we come today on this 4th of July weekend, uh, I want us to focus in on the main thing. And that's who we are in Christ. Who we are and whose we are. It's Christ. And as I was talking to Ryan in the mystery box, I want to say it to all of us. Um, the grace of God is fully sufficient. Our sufficiency is in Christ, in Christ alone. And like I said to to Ryan, um, that's something I've said, that's something I've believed in my head, but I'm telling you, I haven't always lived that way, and I know that many of us haven't. That time and time and time again, we try to find satisfaction, we try to find fulfillment, we try to find contentment in things that are temporal, in things that are passing away. 
rather than having our focus on things that are eternal. Okay? Um, I love, Pastor Tyler, what you said today. It's great. Um, you know, we, we gaze at our problems. We gaze at our hardships. We gaze at our difficulties. We gaze at our circumstances, but we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Right? Yeah, I'm aware of the struggles. I feel pain. I gaze at that, but I focus on the one who is greater than. Okay? And He walks with us, and in Him we are all overcomers. And so there is great freedom in Christ Jesus. It's the greatest freedom that anyone could ever know. In fact, I would say, regardless of what citizenship you claim on this earth, you are in bondage and not truly free until you invite Jesus Christ into your life. Period. Okay? it. Man, I feel a revival breaking out. Right? Now, you know those things. I know you know those things. And yet we forget them, don't we? Um, life outside of Christ can be very seductive. But life in Christ is sufficient and substantial. Okay? Alright. I wasn't going to say that. But I did. Now, let's get to where we're going to go today. Uh, I want to start uh, and ask you and invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. And I'm going to read that. It's up on the screen. And we'll begin. Uh, Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Uh, he's written a previous correspondence we know as 1 Corinthians, and now uh, he's writing this letter, uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, for a little bit different reason. We'll talk about that today, and it fits into where we're headed. So let's look at this. It says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, hear the words of Jesus. And what is true of the Apostle Paul is true for you and me. Hear the words of Jesus. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power. My power is perfected. It's made perfect in weakness. Therefore, and whenever you see therefore in the Bible, right? It's going to refer to what just came before it. That's what therefore is there for. Alright. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. 
For when I am weak, for when I am weak, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Glory to God. That's my addition. Amen. Okay? So, our church has as its mission to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. That's our mission statement. That's what's on your worship guide. Look on the front. It's right there, isn't it? Is it there? Alright. The reason it's there is that's our mission. That's what we're about. Uh, we came uh, to that through much prayer, uh, through, I believe, uh, God and the Holy Spirit leading us as a congregation, leading the leaders, those that um, you have asked to help guide our church, all of us collectively as a community of faith, uh, arrived at this. We believe that this is what our mission is here at Community Covenant Church. To bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Now, if that's going to happen, where does it have to start? With us. Right? In other words... I can want to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world, but as a church, as a faith community called Community Covenant Church, if we're not experiencing that here, then what is it that we have to give out there? Does that make sense? So it's as God pours into our lives, as we experience the full and total sufficiency of Christ, the grace of God at work in our life, and we encounter His hope, His healing, His wholeness, we become vessels that are filled, and then we can go and join Jesus in His work in our community and our world and be a part of His plan of bringing hope, healing, and wholeness. But it's got to start with us. Um... Stephanie Stockhouse, who's a member of our church leadership team and who was on our strategic ministry plan, um, as we prayerfully discern that this is what God's calling us to, um, Stephanie uh, asked me a question. And, and basically, I'm going to paraphrase for Stephanie. It was something like this. Well, Pastor Todd... In order to fulfill the mission that God has given us, that we believe God has given our church, we have to experience the very thing that we want to be a part of. So it's more than just kind of a, 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 a doctrinal agreement that, yeah, you know, this is a good thing, it's in the Bible, and we should be for that, support that, and want that for people. It's got to be more than that. And the question with Stephanie is, is, is it, and how can it be more than that 
unless we're willing to come here on Sunday morning, unless we're willing in our relationships, in our home groups, in our, in, in, in our, in our life shared together in Christ, unless we're willing to admit that we need the very thing that we want to take to other people. Because I have to admit that I'm in need of that hope. I have to admit that I'm broken. And there are places in my life I need healing. I have to be willing to say, I, I want to be a whole person. And there are areas in my life where that's not the case. Oh, I know I am positionally in Christ. Right? I know that's true. And yet the ongoing work of sanctification continues, right? But I have to be willing to admit that. You have to be willing to admit that. It's interesting. Flying home from our denomination annual meeting last week and was thinking about, man, I have... We're going to be doing a sermon series in a couple weeks, and next week we have baptism. I have this one Sunday. What am I going to talk about? What is it I want to share with the congregation? And, and man, I, I could not, I mean, it just, there is nothing. There's a blank. And I have to tell you something. As a pastor, the closer Sunday gets, and there still isn't something that you're really feeling the Lord is prompting you to share, it's a scary thing. Because if the day ever comes that there isn't anything, I'm not going to fake it. I'm just going to tell you, you know what? God hasn't given me anything to share. Let's just continue to worship Him. Because I'm going to fake that. I want to be authentic and real. So the day's getting closer. The day's getting closer. And I look to Lori and I say, Lori, I, I don't know what I'm going to preach on Sunday. And she said to me, well, what are you passionate about? Where's God stirring your heart? And I looked at her and I said, He's not. <laughs> it has been a rough time for me. Physically, I shared a few weeks ago, you know, about the inner ear injury and the vertigo and the, all that, that that's still continuing. Um, identity theft and all that that entails. You know, just the daily burdens of being a pastor and loving and caring for people and, and, and the church and all that that means. This week, finding out I'm going to need a, a second shoulder replacement. Bunch of stuff going on, right? Hard. Disappointments. Things not going the way I'd like them to. Can anyone relate to that? All right. And then it hit me. So I go to the Word of God. When I'm, when I, I go to the Word of God. And, and so, 
So 2 Corinthians to me is a very personal letter. Because Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and, and essentially in 2 Corinthians he's defending his apostleship. He is he's writing to those in the church that are questioning whether or not um, uh, he really has the qualifications. Not that I question that you're questioning me, but this is what's going on in the letter. And so in the letter, Paul's brutally honest about his struggles, about his brokenness, about his weakness. Now, I have to tell you something. In, in seminary and in, in um, the professional world of ministry, they, they really teach you to be very careful to kind of walk that, that fine line of, of disclosing but not disclosing too much to people and to your congregation, Right? Because you still want them to follow you. You still want to be their leader. But at the same time, um, you want to be authentic. And so there's this tension that you feel. How much do I say? How real can I be? How authentic can I be? Make sense? And so when I'm struggling, I go to 2 Corinthians a lot. I read that a lot. I have for years. It's just been something that gives me buoyancy. Because I feel like I'm not alone. Right? You know, if Paul felt that way, I guess I'm entitled to, too. And so this week I was there, and that's where I was camped out and reading again and again and again. Especially in those verses where, where Paul talks about his difficulties and his struggles. And then it hit me. So now wait a minute. That's where you're at. That's what you're passionate about. Learning to embrace the grace of God. Learning that Christ is sufficient in every and all circumstances in your life. And learning that in those areas, in those times when you feel the most broken, the most inadequate, the weakest, when you're tired, when you're distressed, when you're discouraged, when you're, you're saying, God, what in the world is going on? Enough. Or as my Spanish-speaking friends would say, bastante. Right? So there's a unique opportunity for the glory of God and the power of God to manifest itself in a way that it truly demonstrates who Christ is. The power of God's grace at work in one's life and that Christ is sufficient. Okay? And that's basically the whole reason Paul's writing 2 Corinthians. And so... Paul is telling the congregation, listen. Don't follow those, or don't fall into the trap of those who would brag about their pedigree, their education, who they studied the Scripture under. Don't fall into celebrity-driven ministry. Don't fall into those who are 
outstanding public speakers and orators. Don't fall into that. Because someone can say something very well in their own strength, in their own power, in their own resource. Just because someone is polished and accomplished and a capable teacher of God's Word, don't fall in a trap. of that. Don't fall in the trap of those who who claim to be super spiritual, that manifest different spiritual gifts. The faith healers. Not that healing in faith is a bad thing, but you know what I'm talking about. Don't fall into the trap. Don't fall into the trap of those who claim special revelation or vision. Don't fall into any of that. That's exactly what's going on in the church of Corinth. There are those who are claiming special pedigree. They were mentored by the celebrities of this new faith that would be known as Christianity. And they were claiming that. They were claiming um, special skill and, and they were very polished in presentation. They were claiming that they had special gifts from the Spirit and look at us. It's interesting. Paul, during his time at Corinth, was a tent maker. He never asked for money from the congregation. Now, later on, he says that you should, but he didn't for the very reason that he didn't want to fall into the trap of these these others who were basically saying to the congregation in Corinth, listen, you're a wealthy congregation. It's good that you're wealthy and it's good that you pay us a lot. It's a good thing. All these things were going on. That's the context here. And so Paul is going to defend his apostleship. But how is he going to do it? Is he going to say, well, listen, I have a great pedigree. Listen, I'm schooled in the Scriptures. Listen, I have spiritual gifts. Listen, I've had vision and revelation. Is he going to do that? No. What does he do? The exact opposite of what you might think. The exact opposite of what a congregation may be looking for in their leader or leadership. He's brutally honest with them about his need for Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness. About his brokenness. About his weariness. About his struggles. About his trials. He is brutally honest. Because here's the point. Unless he can model that, unless he can do that, how can he expect the congregation to do the same thing? Does that make sense? So it's kind of got to start with the leadership. And that's just not me, it's all those that are in leadership of our church. This is what Paul's doing. And so our passage today 
really is the culmination in that, in that last verse, 10, where he says, it's when I am weak, I am strong. Right? That basically, that is the, um, that's the summation of his whole purpose in writing the book. Okay? Now, it's interesting. What he wants to do is say our greatest testimony isn't what we bring to the table. Our greatest testimony is what Christ does in and through us. And he says, I would rather boast about my weakness so that people would know that whatever is happening in and through me is a display of God's power so God gets the glory. That's what he's saying. Now you're going to get a hint to where he's going early on in in the book. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7. And, and this is kind of like he's he's building, he's he's moving towards chapter 11 and 12, but all through here he's pointing to his weakness, to his struggles, to the things that are going on. And in verse 7 he says, "We have this treasure in jars of clay." To show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. Perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. We are always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Now, could you go to the sermon slide that has the picture of the, the, the pot or the, the, the pottery? Okay? See the cracks in that? When Paul is saying we have this treasure in jars of clay, what he's referring to are these jars that were baked. They were clay that was baked. And they were cheap, they were very inexpensive. And sometimes they'd be used for household things, only occasionally would they be used um, to put something of value in. Often, they were used to put waste or human waste in. Okay? Get the picture? The jars had very little value. And what Paul is saying here, it's my value isn't in me, in what I bring to the table. And if anyone could claim to bring a lot, he could have, huh? Because he had all the same qualifications and experiences that those that were questioning his apostleship had. And yet that's not what he pointed to. He wanted to show the contrast. Now look at this. This is really cool. Let me read through this again. We have the treasure in these jars. The value isn't in the jars. And the treasure is the glory of God and the Gospel message that He had been given. And the glory of God in that. That's that's the treasure. In His earthen vessel. His broken, weak vessel. 
to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. You see, those who were challenging his apostleship and contrasting themselves to him were saying, the power is in us. The power is in our education, in our visions, in our gifts. It's us. The power is in us. Follow us. And you say, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh No, no, no. I want to tell you the mark of a true apostle. Now listen to this. This is great. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now, we are always carrying around the body, in the body, the death of Jesus, so His life may be revealed. All right, look at this. We are hard-pressed. That represents the dying of Christ. We are hard-pressed. That's the dying. But not crushed. That's the life of Christ. Dying of Christ, life of Christ. Perplexed. That's the dying of Christ. But not in despair. That's the life of Christ. Persecuted. That's the dying of Christ. But not abandoned. That's the life of Christ. Struck down. That's the dying of Christ. But not destroyed. That's the life of Christ. And so what he's saying is, my life is an example of what it means to live and to die to self for the sake of the Gospel. To live for the Gospel And in that, to share in the sufferings and the very dying of Christ, yet my life is also an example of the life of Christ. Of the power of Christ. Do you see that? And so he gets into chapter 11. And he starts saying, you know what? Look at all the things that have happened to me. That's right. And then he gets into chapter 12 and he talks about the vision. He says, I'm not going to brag on that. That's not the thing that God wants me to even talk about. And he talks about a thorn in the flesh. And the thorn in the flesh, depending upon who you read or what scholar you study, it could be a physical illness. It could be a harassment from a person in the church. It could actually be a demon that was constantly trying to oppress him. Okay? But here's the thing. He says, it was sent by God through a messenger of Satan. So, God gave the okay for it. To keep him humble. Three times he said, remove it from me. And then finally, the answer is no. By the way, Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? Three times he asked the cup to be removed, didn't he? Three times. But not my will, Jesus said, your will. Basically, Paul's saying the same thing here. Three times he asked the thorn to be removed. He's had it for over 14 years at this point. He lives with it. He struggles with it. But then he realizes there's a purpose in it because it keeps him humble. It keeps him from being like those who were challenging his apostleship. Those who weren't humble. 
And in the end, he says this. The Lord told me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, he says, I'd rather boast in what? My weakness. The difficulties, the trials, the hardships, the insults. For I know it's when I'm weak that I'm strong. Okay? Now, it's not that we have to have weakness to experience the power of God or the grace of God. We don't. But weakness is a particular platform or circumstance through which that power can be put on display in a way it can't otherwise. So here is the point for us as a church, for me as a leader. Are we going to leave here today? Are we going to say to the community, oh, you need Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness. Look at us. Look how prosperous we are. Look how smart we are. Look at all the gifts we have. Look at the revelation that God's given us. Don't you want to be like us? Well, then come to Community Covenant Church. Or are we going to take the posture, you know what? I'm real. Life's real. Life's hard. I'm a broken person. I'm a struggling person. Man, I got rough edges. I fail. Not once in a while, every single day. Can I sit here as your pastor and say, man, it's been a tough few months. It's been a tough few years, if I'm honest with you. Can I say that? Is it okay? I hope that it is. Because you know what? I want more than anything, and I want more than anything for us as a church to be those vessels that ostensibly, in and of themselves, have little or menial value. But in the hands of God, with the life of Christ, with His grace, with His all-sufficient power filling us, we become living demonstrations of His hope, His healing, and His wholeness. Do you see that? But that can't come from a posture of pride. It has to come from a place of humility. I want to close. A few weeks ago when I shared about this inner ear injury, I got an email from a woman who's been to the church and around the church, but can't come very often. You know why? She has both ears with holes in her eardrum. She can't be around people. She can't be around noise because it just sends her over the edge, right? And she sent me a, an email saying, Pastor Todd, can I come and meet with you and your wife? I'd love to pray for you because I have this experience too. Wow. And you know what I realized? That's the way the church is supposed to be. As we share our brokenness, as we share our victories and our defeats, as we're honest and authentic, 
there is a beautiful platform for ministry to take place. You know, I long for the day when I invite you to go back to that cross for prayer. And there's people in line until the next hour. Because you know what? We all need it. I long for the time when we have to put a second prayer wall on the, in the entryway because we have so many prayer requests that we need. I long for that day. Because I know when that day comes and the closer that we get to that, the closer we're really going to be to being real about our need for hope, healing, and wholeness. And the closer we are to that, I believe the closer we are to being able to fulfill the mission that God has given us. Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13. Anybody know what that says? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's the through Christ who strengthens me. It's the through Christ who strengthens us. As it was true of the Apostle Paul, as it was true of the church that he pastored and he wanted desperately to be authentic and real. May we boast in Christ and Christ alone and He, may He alone be the source of our strength. He's our victory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pastor Tyler, would you come and worship team come forward and continue to lead us. By the way, I saw your Facebook posting about me preaching too long sometimes. (laughs) I'm going to do it anyway.